Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast. This is episode number 196. My name's Adam Patterson. Joining me today, we, as always, we have Kevin Rakestraw. How are you doing there, Kevin? I'm doing pretty good. This week on the show, we'll be talking about the one I know you've all been waiting for. Carol. Of course, misdirect. Yeah, yeah, had to do it. Of course, we'll also be going over some of what we've been watching on the watch list, movie predictions, new on video on demand, Blu-ray releases. First up, just a little bit of news this week. Basically, the, the, the everybody was talking about Star Wars this week. There's a little movie that came out called Star Wars The Force Awakens. As most people could have predicted, it destroyed the box office. A little bit. So it walked away with an estimated $238 million in its first three days domestically. Wow. Including $57 million in Thursday night preview screenings along with another $279 million internationally for a massive $517 million opening. (laughs) And there's so many, just talking to a couple of, you know, co-workers and stuff that went to see the new Star Wars, I've heard about so many things that I've never heard of happening at a, you know, a release of a film. Mm -hmm. Like here, the people that went Thursday night, There was, you went and there was like a a tent outside that you went and gave your ticket to and they give you like a wristband. And then when you walked into the theater, now this is like a a multiplex that has, I think, you know, I would say like 10, 11 screens, maybe Mm -hmm. 12. You walk in, the lobby is just completely open. Every single screen is showing Star Wars and you just went to whatever screen you wanted. Oh, that's cool. Like, they didn't delegate, you know, they didn't say, okay, you're in theater four, you're in theater seven. You just picked one. So the whole theater was just Star Wars, (laughs) which I've never heard of ever. Mm, No, I have not heard of that either. And then I also saw on Twitter, I I forget, I I forget who it was. It might have been, I forget who it was, but there was like a merch booth set Mm -hmm. up for Star Wars. Yeah, yeah. There was a... What? Yeah, there was a merch booth in our theater. Yep. Are you serious? Yep, there was a merch booth. And they had some really cool stuff at the merch booth, too, actually. <laughs> yeah, like, that doesn't happen. Yeah, I know. Was there a merch booth for sisters? <laughs> the Carol merch booth. <laughs> <laughs> you could buy a train set? <laughs> the Carol train set? Oh, or the Carol-inspired luggage? <laughs> Oh man, yeah, it's uh, quite a phenomenon. This this movie, it's just it's it's completely insane. And they were like they were let in like I think the first showing was seven o'clock, and they were let in at like four. Yeah, I uh, just like hang out. Yeah, so I saw it at the IMAX, which has assigned seating. I was like, nah, I'm not dealing with those crowds. When we got to the theater, we got there maybe thirty minutes prior to the to the start time. No, there was no waiting. No giant crowds, no nothing. The lobby had an average amount of people in it. It wasn't like swarmed with people or anything. Didn't have to wait in any kind of long bullshit lines. I just walked right in, gave them my ticket, got my 3D glasses, and found my seat. It was it was smooth. Nice. And I saw it in, uh, in uh, Times Square, too. So for some reason, uh, it, it, in Times Square, that theater, just it never gets that packed. You think it would, but it yeah, yeah, I don't know. 
It's never it's I never guess. that bad. I would imagine maybe everyone's trying to avoid it because they be. assume be. that it's going to be packed. Yeah, so because like, let's not go there. Yeah, because if you go to the Regal in Union Square, that one is always packed. That one's always busy. And I don't know. I mean, they have a really good system at that AMC in Times Square to keep keep things moving. And they have a lot of people working there. So I don't know. Maybe that's part of it. But hmm. yeah, either way, I will uh, give my brief spoiler-free thoughts on Star Wars a little bit later in the show. The only other thing, there's a couple trailers that came out <clears throat> this week. Uh, the, the new Independence Day film, Independence Day Resurgence, got Ooh. a trailer. I am not on board with this one. Holy crap. Uh, oh boy. it's just, come on guys. It's been 20 years since. <laughs> it's just, again, it's one of those things where it's like, who asked for this? Who was like, man, I really wish they would, there would be like a sequel or a reboot or something for Independence Day. God, that's what everyone's clamoring for. Yeah, I'm uh I'm just not interested at all in this one. So, yeah. Not not too into that. Uh Ben Wheatley's High Rise got a teaser trailer. Now, this one I am interested in very yeah. much. Very much I'm, so. I'm so interested that I don't even need to see a trailer. I already know one of The the teaser trailer is interesting because it's it's sort of set up like a viral video, like a viral like one of those fake uh ads. Yeah, and it's and it's like kind of advertising the high rise. Oh, okay. I'm really excited for it because for some reason it reminds me of uh, Cronenberg's film uh, Rabid or Shivers. Okay. It, it just has that same look, and I'm really excited for this one. I heard mixed things out of uh, where was it TIFF? I think maybe that it premiered. Yeah, but you always hear mixed things with Wheatley. Yeah. Yeah. Either way, very excited for that one. Star Trek Beyond got a new trailer, got a first trailer. Ooh. Uh, I'm a little, I don't know about this one. I mean, I, I liked the first two Star Treks. You saw, did you see one of those? I saw the second one. Yeah, you saw the I, second one. I thought it was the first one. <laughs> <laughs> you liked it though, right? Yeah. It's yeah. all right. I mean, it was a good time. This one, uh. This one's interesting. The trailer is set to the Beastie Boys' Sabotage, which is an interesting choice. That's odd. Yeah, but it's kind of a fun trailer. This one's written by Simon Pegg. The, this oh, really? Set. Yeah. So, presumably, there's going to be a lot more fun comedic stuff in there. That'd be, that'd be funny if he just took it to an extremely dark Very place. serious. Very dark. People die. Very dark. Everyone dies, actually. He just, he, he, he ends. <laughs> he just ends the, ends the series. <laughs> this is the end. Uh, Jacob Gentry's time travel science fiction film, Synchronicity, got a new trailer. Okay. Uh, this is the guy who directed The Signal, which that, that also got a lot of mixed things out of, uh, I think that one premiered at Sundance. And uh, I don't know, I'm, I'm kind of interested in this one. This one comes out January 22nd. Okay. So I'm I'm into science fiction stuff. I like time travel stuff, and it looks like kind of an interesting take on the whole time travel thing. A.J. Bowen's in it, too. I like him. Okay. Sounds good. Yeah. Um, That's pretty much it. That's it for news and trailers and stuff. So not, not a whole lot to uh, talk about this week. Just a lot, a lot of Star Wars stuff. If you're somebody that hates Star Wars, uh, I, I'm sorry. I apologize. 
because <laughs> the internet was just inundated with everything Star Wars. Star Wars. It got me excited though. I was I was into it. It was difficult. It was difficult trying to avoid all of the news feeds and tweets and everything until I saw it though. But fortunately I was able to avoid not only spoilers but any any talk of the film at all. Like I deliberately did not go to Rotten Tomatoes, so I didn't know what critics were saying. I didn't read any other reviews. Completely went in cold. Just blackout. Yeah, it was nice. It was nice. All right, let's go ahead and jump into our review for this week. We're talking about Carol. This is directed by Todd Haynes. I have a synopsis here. Set in 1950s New York, a department store clerk who dreams of a better life falls for an older married woman. This stars Kate Blanchett and Rooney Mara. Sarah Paulson's in there too. And as is Kyle Chandler and Jake Lacey. Jake Lacey. Yep. Kevin Rakestraw 2.0. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. So I think that I will start this off. I should mention that Carol is now playing in uh, limited release okay. in theaters. All right. I'll start this one off and I will say, uh, what's the big deal with Carol? <laughs> What is the big fucking deal with Carol? That's what I want to know. I'm right there with you. What the fuck? What? What? I don't understand. I was racking my brain trying to figure out why people are losing their minds over this movie. Now, hey, if this movie came out in like 1984 or something and... It was a. It had two, you know, famous Hollywood actresses, and it was dealing with this subject matter, this kind of taboo subject matter for the time. Then maybe I could understand. Maybe I could get it, because then people would be like, "Oh, that movie's so progressive, man. They're really going there with it." But in 2015, guys, come on, <laughs> and let's set that aside, because really, that's what. Even if people are are not saying directly that that's why they're they're pretending to love this movie. That's why. They're, they just think that they should because of the subject matter. Oh, bold. Going with the pretending. And Ooh, Take that, people. Well, I mean... That like Carol. <laughs> well, I'm not saying that it's a, it's a bad movie or you shouldn't like it, but... Yeah, what, but it's, what I'm it's saying just, is it's, it, it's, it, it's perfectly fine. Yes, it's exactly. It's perfectly fine film. It's It's like a, you know... It's it's good for what it is, but to me, there's just there's nothing really here that's that makes me want to like, you know, jump up and down and wave people down out on the street and be like, you need to see this. Yeah. Like it's... I'm just like, oh yeah, that's that's solid filmmaking. Good job. And I mean, just focusing on the love story, just having it, just focusing on the love story. It's not that interesting. It's just well, not that interesting. Yeah, let's of the let's love start story. there. Let's start there because this is was. The biggest problem that I have with Carol is the love story that's at the center of this film. Now, I honestly just did not feel it. I wasn't buying it. I did not feel it. There's just, they did not sell me on the idea of them being in love with each other. Yeah, I mean, I get that it was kind of a whirlwind romance thing. You know, they locked eyes when they, f- when they first saw each other at the department store and it was just, you know, but that was like, the, just... that was like the peak of their romance. Yeah. You know, where it starts there and you're like, Oh shit, there's something here. Yeah. Here we go. 
But everything after that was just completely lifeless. Yep. Listless. I mean, it's just... And, again, you know, performances are fine. Yep. I didn't think either one of them were really, truly extraordinary, whereas, you know, again, I'm shouting from the rooftops or anything like that. But the main thing that really had me is there was nothing... I never once, when I saw either either character's face i didn't see it in their face i didn't see it in their eyes that they were actually like in love with each other it just felt like play acting the entire time like i could tell that you're acting and you weren't doing that great of a job of selling me on the idea of being like enraptured with each other yeah yep i completely agree i mean i think that this is kind of where Kate blanchett really really shines as an actress i think that she nails that kind of old Hollywood vibe. Like she just she look the way that she looks and the way that she emotes. I mean she just nails this kind of Oh, it's more yeah. Because it's one of those things if you if you look at this film and you're thinking about it, who else could you see playing Carol besides her? Yeah. You can't really think of anyone. Yeah, exactly. Now Rooney Mara on the other hand, I thought I mean she's fine as an actress. I thought she was fine in this movie. But to me, she seemed like she was of a different era. She felt like she was too modern to me. I, I don't know. I wasn't altogether buying her. Now, she did kind of have like the, the Audrey Hepburn look going for a little bit there. But I just wasn't, uh, I don't know, for some reason, she looked too modern to me. I can see that. And then <laughs> one of my, one of my, the, one of the strangest things in this movie to me that i i just could not understand was uh 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 carrie brownstein's uh, (laughs) she's in the opening credits too that's what i'm glad that you brought that up because i would have completely forgotten to mention this because i thought the same thing i'm like oh damn she's in this movie i wonder what she does yeah yeah. and she shows up at that party right and you kind of see her in the background you're like okay which which by the way is was one of my favorite shots in the whole movie where it was kind of pulled back outside the building and then you could see in through the windows. Yeah. That was probably one of my favorite shots in the whole movie, but and, yeah. I, and I'm thinking like, okay, where, where's this going to go? Where do we're going to end up going in like a different direction maybe or you know, how does she play into all this? Right. And they exchange a couple of words and then that's it. <laughs> and that's it. She's <laughs> gone. <laughs> She's gone. Are you fucking kidding me? That was it? Yep, yep. She had, I think, two lines, probably. Yeah, she was just like, you know. I, I can't no. help but wonder. Like, I know these people. Yeah, I heard good things about you. Done. Yeah, I can't help but wonder if she had more originally. I mean, I don't know. Maybe. She, maybe she had, her... I mean, I guess this should be a good point in time that I would, I would venture a guess that you haven't read. Uh, Patricia Highsmith's right. original yes, was, yeah, so, so we, we we don't know if you know if this character plays a bigger role right but. and that's exactly what I was just going to say was she maybe she had a bigger role in the novel and they were just kind of putting putting her in there to you just know, kind of threw her in like yeah. hey if you read the novel you'll be like oh I got Genevieve <laughs> oh man <laughs> It's like uh, it's like when J.J. Abrams puts something in Star Wars, and everybody's like, "Oh shit!" And everybody, eru- <laughs> the whole audience erupts. Genevieve. <laughs> I was wondering who they would get to play Genevieve. <laughs> Carrie Bronstein. Oh my god, perfect fit. Oh, uh, but yeah, that was that was very odd. 
because yeah, <laughs> I, I thought that there was going to be more to that i thought that she was going to like they were going to the two of them were going to start dating or something and then Kate blanchett was going to come back into the picture and then there she's going to be like oh what do i i'm in this good relationship now but but no yeah, that, it's not really how it goes yeah yeah i know it's like they're like uh i, I mean again it it looks good i mean huge huge props to you know the set decorators, the, mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. cost, the prop. I mean, the the time period is absolutely nailed. Yeah, and I love that. Which, it... which to me is like the highlight of this movie. Is where it's yeah. just like, damn, it feels like it came from that time period. Yeah, and I, I love that a large portion of it takes place around Christmas time too, because you know that's like I don't know. It just it's it, did, seems... it felt it felt right too. Yeah, watching at this point in time, it was like yeah. A Christmas movie that's not really a Christmas movie. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Love it. But yeah. man, they just, there's not much going on here. And I I really thought going into this that the the things that would strike me the most performance-wise or, you know, the emoting or the acting or anything would come from the, the interactions between Kate Planchett and Rooney Mara. But that's not the case. The thing that... The, actually struck me the most was you know between Kate Blanchett and like Kyle Chandler like when they were going through their divorce proceedings you know where she gives that little speech towards the end yeah make it, she she ends up making a sacrifice and they make that compromise like to me that's where it was like oh shit this is heavy but everything else which is like the central theme storyline of the entire film just felt completely flat for me yep yeah I just I didn't find anything new or compelling with this movie i just i I feel like it was just a a pretty unnecessary movie like i just i just got nothing out of it yeah i mean i again you can just the tweet that i send out it it seems like a fine movie and all it seems they it seems like good people they seem like good people i just don't want to ever be around them ever again in my life just in the sense that you know there's Perfectly nice, wonderful people in the world that I just don't want to spend time with. You seem great, but it's just not for me. Right. So you we don't not... have any. We don't have anything in common. Let's just no. So you're you're not on board with Carol too. I'm not. I mean, again, it's one of those things where it's like, okay, it's a decent movie. I, I you know, the cinematography is solid. Performances are pretty good. You know, the the writing that like the actual screenplay, the dialogue, sure good stuff but it just it doesn't it doesn't move me it doesn't push me towards you know again to where i'm you know shouting out singing its praises yeah it's like yeah it's good it's good and you know like recommend check it out yeah and then then that's exactly where i fall too like there it's not a bad movie and and i i just uh i i think that maybe one of the the issues with this is that i the hype was so high for this one going in that I, I don't want to say that I expected it to be something great, but I was, I was really hoping that it would be just because it's, you know, landing on so many people's top 10 lists and it's getting all this Oscar buzz and it's been a no- nominated for all these awards and all of this stuff. So I was kind of hoping that it would be something different. I was afraid that it was going to be exactly what it was. Yeah. Uh, it, it, you know, I loved... I love Todd Haynes' Mildred Pierce. Absolutely love that miniseries. 
So I was I was pretty excited for this coming out, and you know you put on top of that the crazy amount of buzz and just everyone like you said is popping up on the top tens everywhere and it's oh it's film of the year, and I'm like oh shit he made something better than Mildred Pierce oh boy can't wait but no I'm sorry. I'd rather watch Mildred Pierce a hundred times over than ever have to watch Carol again. <laughs> mm. I just, I, I, it's just not my thing. It's fine. It's fine. It's yeah. fine. It's kind of, it's like a little bit better than a manila folder. Like a little bit better. Yeah. Uh, I would say that's largely due to the visuals in it for me. Yeah. And it, it has a little bit more, potential so i would say instead of a manila folder it's a ticonderoga number two pencil oh okay okay so that's what we're at <laughs> where it has the ability to you know maybe create wonderful things but it's pretty bland yeah yeah i think if it wasn't set in the 50s maybe uh <laughs> it would be pretty it, it probably wouldn't be nearly as enjoyable for me no not at all because, again, that's the thing that really kept me in. was like, my God, they just nailed this. Yeah. Now, if it does get nominated for some awards, the things things pertaining to that, I, I could totally see that happening. Yeah, I mean, if it got, if it did, again, it's one of those situations where if it got nominated for awards, I wouldn't be that upset. You know, mm. I wouldn't be like, what? You, oh, my God, you're insane. But. No, it's certainly not a war horse or anything. No, um, but you're not going to see it on my top 50. I can tell you that right now. Oh, no. Spoiler. No, no, you won't be seeing mine, mine either. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> okay, this is one of, I wish you could, we could play that card. Just like once a year, you had a card that was just like, it's fine. And you can't, you don't have to say anything else. Yeah, it's definitely... Uh... I've noticed that it is sparking some conversation. You know, there's there's some people that are. There was one conversation that I saw. I'm not going to say where where it was taking place, but it was uh, talking about how some some people were saying that this is an anti heterosexual film. <laughs> uh, can't even say it without laughing. Yeah, because of the how the the men are portrayed in in this film. Yeah, I mean. It's the fifties, guys. Like that's yeah. that's just if it was, it, I might be able to understand that if it was, you know, twenty fifteen when this movie took place. Uh, you know, so the, the way that yeah, but things yeah. are, it's a lot different now than back in the fifties. Yeah, know, there, there was a very clear hierarchy of how things worked back then. Yeah, I see what you're saying. But I, mean, I do, I, mean, I do. In a certain sense, I can understand where this person was coming from because most of the men in this in this movie are are pretty uh, pretty generic in that they are kind of just lunks, you know. They're yeah, like every every man that Rooney Mar encounters is essentially just trying to sleep with her. Like they 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 can't just be regular guys. But the one guy um, does kind of uh, is it? John Magro Magro. Yeah, that plays Danny. Yeah, I mean he he turns out fine, so I don't know. I mean he gives it a shot. Yeah, he, he gives, gives it. The, he gives it the old college try. Yeah, but he kind of makes up for it then by just being a friend, just being a good old friend. So I don't know. I didn't see. I'm the type of person when I see movies, I I don't 
typically notice things like that. Like, there's some people that are just talking about, like, oh, talking, yeah. like talking I mean, about losing... Star Wars, you know, like how Star Wars has. But again, you you know, we, you got to look at it, the fact that you're you know you're coming from a place of the the straight white guy. Yeah, but but so still... you're just kind of like yeah, I don't, you know, because you're not looking for that. You're not you're not a you're not a a, a marginalized demographic. Yeah, you know, everything kind of caters to you. But yeah, no, I see what you're saying too. Is that I I can see it kind of as like an anti heterosexual film, but at the same time it. Even if you're trying to make that case, I don't think it's a strong enough one to really, you know, pull me over into where it's like, oh man, this, yeah, that's really interesting if you look at it from that way. Still, even if you pull me over and I'm looking at it from that <laughs> angle, I'm still going to be like, yeah, it's fine. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's, it just doesn't seem like there's that much there. Right. There's not much to really latch onto and really think about and delve into. I mean, the only thing that really, the thing that I noticed throughout the, you know, another thing that bothers me is like two hours. Like Jesus Christ! Um, yeah, so it is a little. It's just, it just it's keeps a little going bit on and on. Yeah. They, they don't add anything to it. It just keeps going. Uh, they just keep rehashing the same things over and over again. And it, for me, the only thing that was like, well, you know, what's really interesting about this film is that they never, you know, the word lesbian is never mentioned. Yeah. The word homosexual is never mentioned. Not, you know, it's never mentioned. They never bring it up. It's just always implied. You know, everyone's kind of like hinting at it and kind of skirting around it. And no one really wants to discuss it head on. That was the only thing that I thought was like, okay, that's an interesting choice. Yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't really think about that, I guess. You know, that leaves some room for thought. But outside of that, I there's, there's just nothing for me to latch onto and really think about. Yeah. I thought that I was really going to be kind of moved by the the love story because that's what everybody was saying like it's, yeah, it's such a moving love story and it's such a powerful love story but it just really wasn't it really wasn't there for me and it, honestly it doesn't take a lot for me to be moved by a film it's yeah. not that i'm like some kind of you know <laughs> cold-hearted no uh, yeah and i've said it numerous times but you you turn on anytime i listen to story friday on npr i pretty much cry that's what i do on the, my drive to work so, I did, I, yeah, you know, I'm like you. It doesn't take much to move me. Like, Sports Center specials will move me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Where it's like, oh, this, this guy's having a really rough, rough time. But he turned it around, and now he's playing in the majors. And I'm just like, oh my God. It's such a beautiful so, story. <laughs> it's so wonderful. I'm so happy for his family. But yeah, I got nothing for Carol. Yep. Same here, unfortunately. All right, so let's go ahead and give this thing a score. Kevin, what are you going to give Carol? I'm going to give Carol like a... I'm going to go a six. And that's a soft, soft, flaccid six. <laughs> it's going to be a five and a half for me. Um, just, I think if the length was a little bit shorter, yeah. I, I probably would have bumped it up to, to the six because it's still... That would have helped so it's, much. It's still kind of a light recommend for me, but it was just... Ah, yeah, I don't know. I just didn't enjoy myself very much throughout this. No, so, no. unfortunate, but it is what it is. That's Carol playing in select theaters right now. Let's go ahead and talk about some of what we're watching in our watch list. Kevin, I think we'll start with you this week. What do you got? Oh, what's your, oh what's your boy. first movie? I'm cramming in 2015. It's like crazy. I'm trying, I'm trying to, to yeah. trying to get them in. I'm trying to do it too. 
So first off, I went to the movie theater. So myself some Macbeth. What? It would just in Kurzel. Uh number one, I just want to point out something that happened during my screening of Macbeth. Not that many people in the in the theater. Uh two two youngins, I'm gonna say like early twenties, decided to sit in front of us and you know, one splayed out. He slept. I don't yeah, I think he slept like ninety percent of the film. And I mean he wasn't like incognito, just like sleeping slumped over. He was like sprawled out like three chairs wide. Um, so like halfway through the film, this the other guy, the one that's not sleeping, is on his phone constantly, just looking shit up, I guess, uh, checking his Twitter feed or whatever. And he leans over to the other guy and goes, Psst, it's Shakespeare. Oh which, my God. Which I just, I have so many questions. So many questions. Is that, <laughs> Did you really not think, did you not know that this was Shakespeare? Oh my God. Have you, like, have you ever gone to school? Like, what do they teach in school if they don't teach this? Because I kind of remember reading Macbeth like four times in high school. Yeah. Like every single English class was like, we're going to read Macbeth. And you're like, God damn it. Again? Come on. (laughs) Yeah. It's like that Romeo and Juliet and fucking Merchant of Venice. But, uh. So yeah, that happened. That was really odd. Um, but the film itself is uh, it's quite fantastic. I gotta say, uh, I don't know if I was quite uh, ready for the visuals in this film because holy shit is it cinematic. The cinematography is unbelievable. It has so much style going on. Um, but the the surprising highlight for me was actually the score, which is from Justin's brother, Jed. And it just, it worked so wonderfully. That in concert with the cinematography, in concert with the performances from both uh, Fassbender and Kotelar, just, it was unbelievable. Now, again, it might be one of those things where I'm not extremely well-versed in Macbeth, so I didn't really have expectations. I didn't have kind of, you know, what I was expecting from the characters to be mapped out because I've read it numerous times and I see them a certain way. But man... It was wow! It was pretty good. I gotta say, I, I and for me, you know me, I'm not that big on like Shakespeare films. Yeah, and they yeah. speak. They speak. You know, it's the full on Shakespeare. Not only is it full on Shakespeare, but then you have the the accents on top of it, and they did not provide subtitles, which I think mm-hmm. was a terrible decision because I understood like nothing. I barely understood anything, <laughs> but. You don't have to, because it's just, it's fantastic, just from the way that they carry themselves, the way that they emote, and, you know, you kind of have a familiarity to the story anyways. You kind of know the rough outline, but yeah, it was, uh, it was quite good, and I see now why they kind of use that from the visionary, Justin Kurzel, because there's a scene towards the end where, where there's like a fire raging, so everything has this like reddish orange fire hue to it, and oh my god, hmm. yes, please, more of that. Interesting. So I'm hoping that I get to see this before the end of the year. I'm not so sure now though, because I got so much to to get caught up on. You got so much to cram in. But yeah, Macbeth is playing right now in theaters, so definitely check that out. Yeah. Well, I I, I fully intended to see it. It just slipped right. Right by me, unfortunately. Uh, all right, I saw the uh, man from Reno. 
Yeah. Yeah. So. All right. Was uh, it up your alley? Yeah, it was. Yeah, I had a good time with this one. Good time. Nice. Turtles. Yeah. Who would have thought? It's, it's, it's an unexpected turn, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> you're like, what is, what is the mystery of this story? And then you're just like, really? Okay. The, yeah. I was turtles. like, all right, well, that's interesting. Uh, turtles. I, I, I really had no idea what this was all about going into it. So it was, it was kind of, uh, it was interesting to me. It definitely has that noir vibe that, that you mentioned. I mean, it is, it is certainly a noir. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. uh, the 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 gut punch that you mentioned was it definitely hit me totally didn't expect it um but yeah uh, overall i'd say if you're looking for a good noir mystery man from reno check it out because yeah everything that you said the other week about it i i pretty much mirror it's uh pretty pretty excellent yeah i was it was uh one of the more uh pleasant surprises from 2015 you know, because we, I think we've talked about so many movies where the people are really amping them up. And I think for me and you both, we've been kind of been disappointed by a large number of those films. Yeah. You know, Carol, The Mend. Uh, I'm sure there's others. <laughs> but this was the one where it's like, uh, okay, really? And then I watched it and I was like, damn, this is, this is actually fantastic. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it it really pulls you in from, from early on because there's, there's lots of little like red herrings and little, just all kinds of things happening. And you're just, you're trying to piece it together and, and while they're trying to piece it together too. And it's just uh it's a good time all around. Yeah. And that's so. Steven Seagal's daughter. Oh, interesting. Did not know that. Hmm. Yeah. It's just, that's bizarre. Yeah. That's really weird. Uh, that's playing on Netflix instant. So you can check that out. Oh, you gotta check that. Yeah, out. Man from Reno. If you're looking to cram in some uh, end of the year stuff, be sure to be sure to look at that one. Yeah, I would prioritize that one. Uh, another one that I crammed in was Morfu. Fo Morfu Fo. I don't know. Never mind. Directed by Jessica <laughs> Hosner. When that was like coming out and stuff, and we were talking about it on the show. I would always say Morfu, but uh, that's probably not right. <laughs> Yeah, and I like how I got kind of stuck in like a K-hole where I just kept saying it. Foe, there's foe, one. I just hope I was hoping that like the voice of God would just come in and be like, "It is," and then He would decide for me. But that didn't happen. If your wife just runs into the room and slaps you in the face <laughs> to get you out of it, and... airplane style, everyone lines up, just smacks me yeah. until I stop it. Yeah. <laughs> Directed by Jessica Hausner. Uh, this was another one that I kind of noticed a couple of people talking about. Um, kind of like underappreciated, underwatched, whatever you want to call it. Uh, it's a period piece. Okay. Romantic comedy of sorts about German writer Heinrich von Kleist. And um, deep, deep in form. Got that form going left and right. Every... Every shot, every scene, whatever you want to call it, is just immaculately framed, staged. Everything is fantastic. Um, the the romantic comedy portion of it is it's a bit of um, like black humor, considering considering the storyline. Because I had no idea what this was about going in. I just knew it was a period piece. That's all I knew. And uh, so what it what it's based on is this guy is essentially looking for love. Through death, mm. he wants someone to die with him. That's what he's looking for. 
Okay. It's like the ultimate love. He wants to kill himself. He hates. He hates life. He 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 has this deep affliction of melancholia. So he's looking for a woman that's like, yeah, I don't like life that much either. Let's die. And he's like, great, because I'm super selfish. This is awesome. I just essentially want you to die by my side. And so it kind of takes that idea, but then runs it through the comedic, the the romantic comedy of type, you know, where they like they're kind of on board and then things get sidetracked and then they're playing hard to get. And then they're back and forth and they do they really want to do it and this and that. And it's all like deadpan as can be. And, and the guy, he just wants to die. He wants to kill himself. And he just tell he's telling like everybody. He's just like, I want to die. I think that we're a really good match. Will you die with me? And they're like, um, no, not really. I think you have the wrong person. And he's just going around to ladies left and right. It's very bizarre. Um, but the the look of the film again, even more so than Carol, the a wonderful job of capturing the the time. You know, the look and the feel of the time period. It's just it's immaculate. And um, again, every like every single scene is just amazing. It's just like every frame is fantastic. So I would definitely check that one out. That's also on Netflix Instant. Okay. Um. I I saw Very Semi-Serious, which is a documentary about New Yorker cartoonists and how all that works, but I'm not really going to talk about it because it's uh, pretty pretty average and I literally have nothing to say. So <laughs> I'll, I'll just move on to Star Wars. Uh, so <laughs> uh, yes. the, if you want to see Very Semi-Serious, it's on HBO. So if you have HBO Go or HBO Now, you can see it. Star Wars The Force Awakens, huge fan of this one. I'm not going to say anything about the plot or any any details other than I think, A, it was a very good decision to shoot it on film because uh, it looks gorgeous. And yeah. B, if you're a fan of the original uh, Star Wars trilogy, including some of the things that made it, you know, well, I don't know how to put this. Some of the characteristics that maybe were not amazing but still kind of gave it that character you know what i mean like it made it star wars like the fade cuts and stuff like do they do swipes yeah they do lots of different fade cuts and it it just it looks like the original trilogy i mean it looks amazing so there's that the the dialogue is not great uh at times it it flourishes it has moments of of greatness but also, some of the some of the lines and some of the dialogue is quite cheesy, but you can look all pa- past all of that stuff because it's it's Star Wars and it's it's, Wars. it's you know what do you, what I want to see is do is is there is there wonderfully realized worlds? Yes, absolutely. Because that's the absolutely. main thing that drew me into Star Wars is absolutely there's tons of like aliens and different creatures and you go to several different planets and one of the things that that i and again since seeing it i haven't been reading too much up on it but one of the things that i think people should be talking about is the effects work how i'd say like 90 percent of this looks like it's practical effects and it is gorgeous like all of the all of the aliens with the exception of like a couple here and there are costumes and animatronics and it looks freaking awesome. And, uh, BB eight, you know, the, the robot that everybody's talking about, 
deserves it because it's a freaking amazing robot and it's a robot that they actually built for this movie and it's awesome and it has this robot has so much personality that you're just like holy shit you know what they they built that robot for the movie yeah it's real it's not cg what the fuck yeah it's it's not that's a real robot it's a real robot yeah, I mean, it's obviously remote controlled. It doesn't, like, yeah, in the movie, still. like, it talks and thinks and <laughs> stuff like that, which it's not. But, it, yeah, it is it is not CG. It's an actual robot that they're controlling. That's and fantastic. it's Yeah, it's awesome. And when you see oh it, you're, you'll just be like, holy shit, this is amazing. He's kind of, like, BB-8 is kind Whoa. of the, the lovable, you know, sidekick character, sort of like R2-D2, who's also in this. But, um... And he just—he's he, he just like broken down at this point. R two T two is he like a like a I can't like I, a shredding machine. I can't. He give, just shreds documents now. Is that what he does? Can't give. I can't say. I can't he serves give. tea and shreds documents. He's just—he's an old yeah. man at this point. <laughs> he has like the little arm with the towel folded over, and yeah. he just shreds documents and serves tea. Uh, we have a review for this up on the site. Blake actually reviewed it. I didn't find it to be pressing that we get a review for this up on the site because I knew everybody was going to yeah. see it anyway. But um, Blake so emailed me and he said, hey, you know, uh, I, ju- I just saw it. Do you want me to write something up? He's like, because I, I really want to just kind of get my thoughts down because uh, I really liked it and I wanted to just get my ideas out there. So I was like, yeah, sure. So he gave it a nine out of ten. He loved it. Ooh, um, okay. Pretty and I'm, I mean, I'm right, I'm right there with him. I, what? I said pretty much everyone that I talked to enjoyed it. So yeah, I mean, excited for Wednesday. So this, so what I said to to you off air was this was kind of the perfect movie for me because I'm not such a rabid Star Wars fanboy that I w- that I went into it planning on nitpicking every little detail and and you know like I don't covet the original trilogy so much that. I don't believe that anything can live up to that. Yeah. So I went into it just as a, a regular fan of the Star Wars series. And because of that, I was able to, you know, I didn't have to pick apart all of the, the politics and things like that in, in the movie. And I was able to just sit back and really enjoy it. And I think that most people, when they go see this, will have a really good time. I mean, it is... It is everything that you could want in a Star Wars movie. The action is amazing. The there's some s- surprises that that occur. The characters are likable. It's funny. There's a lot of comedy in it, and uh, it's just a, a great time. It's just a it's a really great movie going experience. I um just having some fun. Yeah, I just felt like a kid the whole time, and I, nice. I I'm I've got quite emotional during the movie. So yeah. It was it was a very Crying out. Star Wars got you to cry, but it, Carol didn't. Yeah, it was a very emotional experience for me. It's when when I get emotional in movies sometimes. I mean sometimes was, it, was it like the first time that R2 D2 shredded like a like a ream of paper? Is that yeah. when you cried? Because you're like, oh R2 D2 is so old now. <laughs> no, it's it, it, a lot of times when I get emotional in movies, it's not because of the content that's unfolding on screen. It's more so just the experience like i'm just so overwhelmed with emotion from actually uh because i i am loving what i'm seeing on the screen so much that it's just making me emotional like random movies do it like hateful eight will probably do it (laughs) like uh tarantino movies tend to do that 
in me where I just get so amped up that, that I get I get really emotional. I, I I feel very passionately about film, and uh, some movies just do that for me. So anyway, Star Wars. If you haven't seen it yet, go see it before somebody ruins it because uh, it, it's going to happen. There. It's going to happen. They're looking to ruin it every moment. Yeah. Uh, one that I avoided having being ruined for me was Black Hat. Uh oh. I checked out some Black Hat. Uh, I'm uh, I'm gonna say that I'm torn on the Black Hat. Uh, there's there's some ideas that I love about this film. I like the look of it. I'll See, throw I that don't. out there. I, I like don't. the look of it. I like the digital look. The I didn't feel. I do not. I do not. I, thought, I really enjoyed the, the the first fight scene in the in that noodle shop or wherever the hell they were. Yeah, I like that. I thought everything that came before that was just fucking ridiculous. Which is the other part of this pro- part of the problem for this film is it's so idiotic at times. <laughs> And it's so idiotic when it comes to like really trivial things that where it's like, wh- why? Why did you do that? Like the, the things that I've talked about, number one is the the logistics of everything involving Hemsworth being involved in this investigation and how they play it and how they just don't watch him at all. And he's just roaming around doing his thing. Uh, and why is he there for numerous things that are happening, like shootouts and stuff like that? Hacker. Uh, hacker. Um, the first thing that really like pissed me off, pissed me off, was when they're like, there's three guys, but they have no interactions whatsoever. We followed them all day. And he's like, click red path line, click yellow path line, click green path line. <laughs> we can't find any correlation. And Hemsworth is like, clack, clack, clack. And the, Jesus Christ, the keystrokes in this movie are so fucking loud. It's just like, it's like he's punching the computer. And it's like, and you know, he overlays all three and he's like, they meet right there. And they all just look at each other like, oh my God, he's a genius. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? That was the first thought I had. What uh, are you not intelligent people? What I'm? What's going on here? And then it just it it kind of snowballs from there. They have he he he, he blocks a, a knife stab with a scarf, which and there's the build up to it, which makes it even worse. Like I love the look of it, but there's the slow build up and it's slow moving. He unsheaths the the knife and everything, and then he goes to the stab and it's like scarf. Nice try. And then he's got like a magazine bulletproof vest that he concocts that doesn't work at all. And I just, I don't understand that. And there's the whole romantic subplot thing that's just absolutely terrible where they like, they kind of delve into it a little bit. And then they're just like, oh, let's not talk about this ever again until the end when we need it because, oh, emotions. And then they're like, oh, let's throw 9-11 into it for no reason whatsoever. Outside of like, ah, you weren't there for 9-11. <laughs> it's just, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, it, it's a movie that's fighting with itself. It's a yeah. movie divided. Like 50% of it's good. I like the ideas that they're that they're discussing. And I love the look of it. And then the other half of it is just absolute shit. Yeah, I, I didn't like this one. I, I, I think uh, I just pulled up my, because I forgot what I said. I wrote a review on Letterboxd and I said it's a boring nothing of a film where the only thing shakier than the camera is the plot. 
Yeah, I would agree with that. I would yeah, just, agree with I, I don't see the the one of the problems that I had with it is I do not like the digital look. I think it looks bad. I think it it, it doesn't. For some movies, you can make make things look digital like that, but in like an action movie. I, I didn't like uh, Public Enemies either. I thought it looked really bad. So. Hmm. Just not I, don't know, I, don't, I, liked, I liked parts of it. Hmm. Yeah, it's, it's like 50% of the film I love. The other 50% I absolutely hate. Well, I'm glad action. that you had a good experience with it, Kevin. Yeah, I guess you can call that a good experience. <laughs> sure. I, th- I think you had a better experience than most. Yeah, I guess. It's, which is weird because it seems like people absolutely love this fucking thing where they hate it. Yeah, that seems kind of polarizing. But, uh, I don't even remember anything about it, so I remember that I did, just, I did fall asleep. It's just Hemsworth being like like punching the shit out of computers until they fucking code <laughs> what he wants it to code. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, get it. Oh, God. And then there's that point in time where he's like, I'm not doing the time. He says some stupid inspirational shit where he's like, when I was in prison, the time wasn't doing me. I was doing the time to focus on my body and my mind. It's just like, shut up, you're a poster. <laughs> stupid. Oh, that's Black Hat. <laughs> Black Hat. That's, a, that's probably available on all the streaming platforms and on Blu-ray. Just and all punch, punch your keyboard. Until Black Hat shows up on your computer. There you, there you go. I saw the Peanuts movie. Caught That's up with the old fantastic Peanuts. Segue. Yeah. Caught up with the old Peanuts movie. Had a good time with this. Highlighted the whole movie's the animation style. Uh, I would say if you're a fan of the Peanuts, be it the the comic strip or the the old cartoons, check it out. Uh, you'll you'll have a really good time with this. It is it is very much. They they do not deviate from the source material in this. Really? I mean, it is so very... it's like it's just a bunch of sad kids being depressed. Yeah, <laughs> yes, <laughs> pretty much. I mean, the, so the plot it basically takes it's a year in their school. Like it starts in the winter time, and basically Charlie Brown it, he has a crush on the little little red haired girl, and he is trying to just get get her to like him or notice him and he's just failing at life he's just <laughs> failing at everything oh, oh, but sad. the the animation i just i can't get it it's it's so cool because it's this weird it's cg but it's like this weird they made it look like it's the like the old cartoons i don't know how they did it it looks so awesome. they, so they kind of like computer generated the old strip yeah sort of it's it's really interesting like everything has kind of a textured look that almost makes it look like it's kind of hand-drawn but everything has this texture to it that that gives it gives it uh sort of a new dimension i i really like the the animation in this i think i think that that was definitely the highlight the story itself was it was good i mean it was a peanut story they they have all kinds of winks and nods to the other movies and the the specials and all of that stuff in there too, like the Red Baron is in there and uh, Woodstock is in there and uh, it's it's uh it's just a good time. I didn't love it, but it was still again I, I I'm not a huge Peanuts guy. Like I I like the Peanuts stuff, but I was never as a kid. I was I was more of a Calvin and Hobbes 
type of kid growing up. So yeah, I think we all were. But oh my god, if they made a Calvin and Hobbes movie, shut up, shut with up, with oh the same, I'll quit my job. Just watch it forever. The same animation style as this. Holy crap! I would love oh it. I would want something more. I know. I know. It's it would never happen. But man, no, it's never gonna happen. Which is probably good because it's better to like long for it and to be like, oh my god, I wish instead of that actually happening and having running the risk of it not. Yeah, because your expectation and it's just like, oh, this is a bummer. Yeah, I mean, not not to get too far off topic, but just the logistics and how you would make a Calvin and Hobbes movie. I I don't know how that would translate, you know, because there's like you you have the whole thing of like voices. Like, what are the voices going to sound like? Like right there. That's a nightmare. Yeah, exactly. And I don't know how you would animate because like the, the comic strips are very... Like, a lot of the strips in Calvin and Hobbes are very kind of, uh, like, introspective, and I just, I'm not sure how you would translate all of that. Yeah. But... It would have to be, like, like 18 hours long. Yeah. It would be amazing. I still think it'd be it'd be cool if, if uh, Bill Watterson, like, saw this movie and was like, hey, you know what? I got a great idea. I could do this. I'm gonna destroy the brains of everyone. It would make so much money, probably. Oh, my God. But, That's, like, the one movie that I would probably camp out for. Yeah. Anyway, the Peanuts movie is worth checking out. It is still playing in theaters right now. I'm going to check that out. Here's another one that might be right up your alley, and I think is right up your alley. Uh, it's also playing on Netflix Instant. That's Black Hole Thin Ice. Yinan Dao, Chinese movie. Police procedural involving a serial killer. So you got the mystery, you got the intrigue, and you also got a shit ton of snow. Mm. Wonderful, wonderful snow everywhere, which just really adds to, because number one, the cinematography of this film is spectacular, plus you got the added bonus of the snow, so you got those two mixing together, and it's just fantastic. Then you got on top of that, it's police procedural, got that mystery, again, that it talks about. Um, the, the violence in this movie is brutal. And it's blunt. It's just unexpected. It just comes up out of nowhere. I mean, extremely jarring. And most of it comes from the the cops themselves being a bit um, like thick, being a bit slow mentally. Mm. I guess I don't know. I don't know if this is just my way of thinking, but every instance of violence in this movie, I'm thinking to myself, "Yeah, that like that guy's that guy's a danger, and he's going to kill you in like five seconds." And they're just completely oblivious to why they're going to die and how. But I've seen it. I, I saw it coming from a mile away. And it plays out much like I thought it would. But again, it's still jarring as all hell. And there's one scene in particular that I just thought was absolutely fantastic. There's two cops. They're driving in the car. They're driving through the tunnel. You know, an underground tunnel with the lights and everything. It's all kind of washed out with white. And then it cuts to camera mounted on the front of the car, right? Mm-hmm. They're coming out of the tunnel. When they come out of the tunnel, it's kind of like an upward grade. And when they come out, it's snowing. So it kind of looks the same, even though they're coming to the outside. They're coming out of the tunnel to the outside. Got that going on. There's a guy on his motorcycle, and he's kind of like slunched over on the side, just like crying for whatever reason. They pull up. Camera kind of swivels to, to check out what's going on to the right. The car pulls around in a circle, still mounted on the front, comes back, 
camera swivels over, comes back around, swivels up to the front to pull onto it straight ahead. It just, oh boy. The cinematography in this thing is, it gets me excited. No, you have me sold. Yeah, check this out. I have a feeling that this will land somewhere on your list. I will definitely, I will definitely watch this one. Try to get, get to that one this week for sure. Uh, let's see what else do I have. Uh, the I saw The Forbidden Room. Okay, that's my last one too. Okay. <laughs> Is that your last one? Sorry. I just kind um, of jumped again. I did see uh, Two Doors Nicole as well. Oh, okay. Watch and again, that. that was one that I thought was right up your alley. And it was, yeah. I had a really great time with that one. Nice. Really great time. So I know you so well. We're the d- best definitely friends. recommend checking that out on Fandor. So That's right. I got a Fandor account. Yes. So, uh, yes, the Forbidden Room. Let's let's talk about this one. We'll do. We can do a mi- little mini review for this one, right. since we both saw it this week. Uh, not into it. No, Guy Madden. Just he's not my he's not my kind of guy. Uh, I, I will say that I like this way more than Keyhole. Oh yeah, definitely. Way more. So 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 much more. There were parts of this movie. First of all, I loved the the title cards like all of the different crazy yeah, it, titles yeah. that he inner titles and the little interludes where they would kind of bring up i yeah. loved how every time they introduced a character they kind of yes. do like a title card loved to... it i thought that, that was like one of the coolest stylistic choices I, I don't know if i've ever seen that before in a movie but uh yes i absolutely loved it this one it, it came so close for me to to being like something that Maybe I wouldn't recommend to people, but something that I enjoyed watching. But the length got to me. It took me, yeah. It took me three three goes to finish this one. It took me a while as well. It just seemed to never stop. I think that part of that, uh, other than just it being long, is just the fact that you you there were so it was so disjointed and disconnected, and there were so many just random. Yeah, because it keeps it keeps going down that rabbit hole, and it's got that like Matryoshka meandering narrative going just, on where it just keeps going on. Yeah, there's, there's there's no end in sight. You don't know where it's going, and you have no concept of what's coming next or what could be coming next. Yeah, um, and, and even especially okay, you know the the two hours goes against it, and it kind of hurts the film in general. But also in the sense that towards the end. The tangents that it goes on, they're not as interesting. They're not as intriguing as the ones that came before them. Like it starts off and it's 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 pretty good. And you you know you see with yeah. the submarine and with the woodsman and everything, yes. you're yeah. like, oh, this is all. I love this. Wait, it just keeps going deeper and deeper. But then it kind of goes into these stale territories where it's like, okay, there's nothing really going on here. Let's go to something else, please. And then they go to something else, and you're like, well, this is even. St- Daler than the one that I just came from. Can we get back to the other things, please? Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you if you didn't already couldn't already piece it together, it's a weird little movie. Um, it just it wears out its welcome, you know, with it being so extremely experimental as it is. And I I love that it's playing on all these genres and styles and like cinematic time periods and everything. And it, it, there's certain. Um, there's certain stretches of the film where everything just looks amazing. Yeah, I mean, the the visuals in this, uh, for me at least, range from 
uh, horrible keyhole esque yeah garbage yeah. to nearly breathtaking moments yeah. where there's, I, yeah, there's... I was like holy fuck like there's like a, a scene where it shows that there's a train that's going by that that blew me away there's one scene i, I think it was um i don't know if it was a volcano erupting there was like one yeah, there's a couple scene. there's a couple of instances during that little sequence where it kind of has that malaise feel oh, to it. Oh, there was a, there was a scene where like a, a girl just kind of opens her mouth and like I don't know if it's like smoke or some kind of liquid or something comes out of her mouth towards the end. Yeah, it looks it, awesome. And you have that too, where like a lot of these images are like undulating. And they're like they're almost yeah. like breathing. Where they, it's like, like it's like the you're. Uh, putting a match underneath a picture and it's like distorting and kind of burning yeah because uh, yeah i'm right there with you where the, some things are just like oh my god this is amateur hour this yeah. is awful because he he does get a bit too silly at times where it's just like jesus christ we're kind of undercutting everything that we're doing here but there's other instances where you're just like holy shit this is the greatest thing i've ever yeah. seen i mean at, at times it it is kind of mind blowing as far as the visuals in this. So the colors that he uses, how he, I mean, some some of the, everything is just drenched in color in this movie. Or most of the time, everything is drenched in color, and some of it just looks so fucking awesome. Like the uh, most of the scenes that take place in the woods when it's snowing look yeah. really cool. Um, one thing I didn't like about those is anytime they would show anybody walking, it was so obvious that they were walking in place that it bothered me. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I think that was him, like, going, like, the comedic round. That's what what I'm talking about. It's like, there's times where he gets silly where it just doesn't really, it doesn't work for me. I guess I just don't get his humor. Yeah, I didn't like this, the squid thief. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) There, there were just, there are a lot of weird things that I did not find funny i didn't find most of it humorous at all i mean some of it i found kind of uh i I don't know sort of quirky i guess just almost on a on an anti-comedy level like a tim and eric level yeah like udo kyer being obsessed with yeah that and uh the guy that's teaching us how to properly take a bath (laughs) (laughs) which i thought that was awesome like a, the, i do love the fact that that's where all of this comes from yeah yeah like that's our entry into the wormhole yep, yep. and I, I like that and that the way that that was shot you know there's a lot of movies out there that that try to make themselves look old like try to make themselves look like a film that was shot in the the 60s or any other any other you know past era that for me just looked so perfectly old. Oh, he nails. I mean, he just he nails a couple of times where it, it feels it feels perfect. Yeah, and I and I don't know if I've ever seen it done that well before because even movies that do it do a really good job of it, you can you there's always something that reminds you like this is contemporary. But yeah. I mean, like that scene with the, the guy in the bubble like just telling us how to take a bubble bath. I mean, it just looked like a clip from you know, some kind of weird, I don't know, some kind of weird movie from 1962 or something. Yeah, again, it's one of those things for me that was, it's kind of like Black Hat in a sense, where like 50% of it is, well, a little bit more than Black Hat, where 50% of it is like, this is some of the greatest things I've ever seen. Like some of my favorite things from 2015. And then the other half of it is just like, this is completely insufferable. Yeah. 
This is the type of movie that I think you could, I could see this playing in a museum. You know, you go into one of those like alcoves in a museum and mm-hmm. it's just playing it on the wall and you walk in and you go, oh man, that, that looks really cool. And you stare at it for like a minute or two and then you leave. And yeah. that's it. Because <laughs> you know? if, you, if you stay for the entire runtime, you're like, oh, this is kind of irritating. Yeah, you just start looking at your watch and you're like, all right. And I think there's, that, a, there's other cool things to look at. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I think that this place is a perfect museum piece. But um, as, as far as like sitting down and watching it from start to finish, no, I, I, I think that it, the fact that it makes so little sense and that it's just so experimental and abstract. I think that that also makes it difficult to latch on to anything because there's no plot yeah. to speak of. Yeah. I mean, there, there are there are small plots that are happening, like with the submarine crew, and I was like genuinely interested to see what was going to happen with this submarine crew and how the 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 uh, lumberjack ended up down there. But you know, I I also didn't expect any kind of resolution from that either. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. I didn't even give this one a rating on Letterboxd because... It's a tough one to rate. I don't know. I honestly don't know how to rate this one. Like, there were, there were some things that I thought were amazing, but, like, overall, I, I just didn't really have a good time with it. So, like, overall, I didn't like it, but, yeah, there, there were certain moments of uh, something really great. I would love to see this guy just make a regular movie once, just to see what... What he does? He yeah, I don't think he can. Either. I think this is—it's like as close as you're gonna get. <laughs> Probably. Probably. Yeah, I think so. Oh well, that's uh, the Forbidden Room. If you're interested, you can check that out on Fandor. Oh yeah, get that Fandor. All right, let's uh, go ahead and talk about some predictions. Last week, Alvin and the Chipmunks, the Road Chip. Yeah. Getting sick and tired of all the stupid-ass jokes on Twitter about Road Chip. Yeah. You said zero. I said 12, actual 14 on that one. The fact that it has a 14%... That worries me. It means that there were some people out there that gave it a positive review. Who the fuck were they? Uh, Were they producers? They had to be producers. They had to be somebody in the pocket of... I don't know what studio made this movie, but um, whatever. I'm looking it up right now. I mean, if it was Leonard Malton, so help me God. I have to know. I have to know. I've got Justin Long in there, poor guy. <laughs> yeah, this is what happened to Jason Lee. If any of you were wondering, hey, what happened to Jason Lee? He used to be in movies, and he was he was like that uh, in all those Kevin Smith movies, and he was great. This, this is where he and is. Gates in there, too, and Anna Ferris. I hope they recover. I really hope they recover. I don't know if they're going to, though. Yeah. I just... <laughs> okay, so one of them comes from the Los Angeles Times. It just says it's harmless, zippy, candy-colored fun. Yeah, so well, apparently that's a glowing review. Oh, and RogerEbert.com was the other one. Yeah. In general, Alvin is funny and sometimes a little bit sweet. Hailed <laughs> <laughs> <Damn> it. <laughs> Oh. New York New York Daily News. Let's just get it out of the way right now. Reader, I liked it. Oh my god. That's a killer review right there. Looks like uh Cleveland Plain Dealer. Oh yeah. They gave it a B. 
The ending does teach a predictably sweet message, but it's the journey that's more than half the fun in this appealing movie perfect for a winter break afternoon. No, it's no. not perfect for a winter break afternoon. Oh my the god. Perfect, the perfect movie for a winter break afternoon is a bottle of like whiskey and like blankets and sweatpants. <laughs> or any other movie that you can watch or at home on your TV. Ever. The Arizona Republic Rare. says it's just a random pick on Netflix. Yeah, exactly. The Arizona Republic says it's cheesy, but what else could be expected from a film with talking animated chipmunks? I'll tell you what can be expected. <laughs> a good movie. I, I, you know, this is something that, that always bothers me anytime somebody says, well, what'd you expect? Like, I'll tell you what I expected. I expected a good movie. I always expect a good movie. And if I don't get one, then it, they need that's, to talk. Yeah, that's, what, that's kind of what I'm hoping for, and that's what I'm expecting, because a lot of people are putting their time and money yeah. into making I mean, this thing. I, so I, I would hope that they're trying to make something good. I'm sorry, but I don't think any movie should get a pass based on, what would you expect? Like, even if it's like, you know, some sh- uh, shitty Michael Bay movie or an Uwe Boll movie, that doesn't give them the right to just, <laughs> yeah. to just sh- shit out things left and right because people expect it to be bad. Or Adam Sandler yeah. movies. Yeah, because, you know, where does that where does that end? Where it's like, well, he's a shitty director. What did you expect? Yeah. I, uh, so, the well, answer... Like, that makes it good? How? The exactly. answer to that question will always and forever be a good movie for me. Like, I always expect it to be good. I was expecting my money's worth. Yeah. And a good use of my time. That's what I'm expecting. Uh, I, think, I think the winner goes to New York Daily News, though. That's just, that's the best one right there. Let's just get out of the way right now. I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. Anyway, that's, so uh, that, uh. That's terrible. Uh, sisters, you said 62, I said 65, actual 61. Okay. And Star Wars The Force Awakens, you said 90, I said 97, actual 95. Ooh. Yeah. Nice. So next week, uh, we have a ridiculous week next week. We have... Everyone's waiting. Yeah. Yep. This, see, this is, this is why, and uh, maybe I should have mentioned this in news, but I don't know if you saw uh, Harvey Weinstein came out with... Uh, basically he came out and, and said that he was against this whole award season business that, that, that's happening. That's been happening over the last few years where, you know, distributors will intentionally wait to release their movie until the end of the year so that they don't get forgotten when it comes to awards. Yeah. And I just look now and I see where you're going. Yeah, it's just... Holy shit. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so, first up, we have Joy. This is the new David O. Russell movie. What are you thinking about this one? It does not look good. I have no interest in seeing it. I, I think nope. that... Uh, Let's be honest. Let's be honest. Jennifer Lawrence is playing version number seven of Jennifer Lawrence. <laughs> it's the same fucking character she always plays. She's not a good actress. I'm sorry. Uh, I might take issue with that. I, th- I think she's... I think she's I think okay, she's, but she's, no one seems to like really challenge her. I th- I still think her best movie was Winter's Bone, but yeah, I I might agree with you. I think that was her best performance. But uh, anyway, Joy, I will say, uh, I don't know. I think critics are are digging this one. I'll say eighty-two. 
Okay. I'm going to go 70. Okay. We also have The Hateful Eight. Pretty excited about this one. I got my tickets for the 70mm roadshow screening. Oh, boy. Yep. Pretty excited. What are you thinking on The Hateful Eight? I think this one's going to drop a little bit. I'm going to say 74. Okay. Uh, I think it's going to be... I think it's going to be pretty big. Uh, so I'll say 86 on that one. Okay. We also have Concussion, Will Smith, Will Smith, NFL, traumatic head injury action. Couldn't find any African actors. <laughs> uh, yeah. It looks like a, it looks like a TV movie, doesn't it? It does, yeah. yeah, yeah we... It sure does. Uh, what are you thinking on Concussion? I'm going to say 54. 54, I will say 58 on that one. I'm waiting for the actual 30 30 for 30 that comes out that's going to blow it out of the water. Yeah, anyway. Yeah. Uh, Point Break. The old Point Break remake. (laughs) Which reminds me that I need to see the the original. The original's not even good, let's be honest. It's fun because it's so cheesy and dumb. Okay. But as far as like being a solid movie, I I do not think that it is a good movie. I like Point Break, but honestly, what what did you expect? Who you expect? I think the new Point Break is going to be an absolute god awful mess, and I'm going to say twenty three. I'm going to go thirty two. All right, switching it up. Switch it. Also have the Revenant, the new. Uh, Alejandro Inuritu. Oh, boy. I'm pretty excited about this one. Not going to lie. Looks pretty awesome. Does look pretty good. What are you thinking on this one? Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say 80. 80? Okay. Yeah, right. I'm going to go 80. That's probably a good bet. I'll say 83. Mm, yeah, I'll stick with 83 on that one. And finally, we have Daddy's Home. This is the Will Ferrell... Mark Wahlberg one. Yeah. Not, um, I don't know. The, the trailers look okay, but it just looks kind of like more of the same. I'm sure it's worth a few laughs at least. I'll say 61. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm going to say 56. I, I'm not sure who the director is on that one, so that, that could determine my my score, but whatever. All right, no VOD releases next week because of the holiday, I'm assuming. Yeah. Next week on Blu-ray, very slim pickings on the Blu-ray front as well. We have Pan, we have Pawn Sacrifice, that's the Bobby Fischer one mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. Uh, um, Toby Maguire, and that's it. Project Almanac is the only other one. Yeah. Oh, uh, Dragon Blade, that Jackie Chan one is also coming out. So. That's pretty much it. Hmm. Uh, any criterions? There are none. Yeah, didn't think so. So, basically, next week you need to go to the theater. You, you're going to have plenty of options. Yeah, Instead next week. Star Wars on every single screen. <laughs> They're actually going to have like a, an array of films. Yeah, I will definitely be seeing... Well, I already said I was going to see The Hateful Eight, but I'm also going to check out The Revenant. I doubt I probably will skip the others. We gonna with them next week. Are we doing a show next weekend? Uh, say no, probably right. 
Yeah, it's we won't, yeah. Since it's yeah, it's gonna be Christmas, we may end up skipping skipping it next week and taking a break. But who knows? The week, the week after that, Star Wars talk. Getting into it. Yeah, we can talk Star Wars, but we also have our year end. Oh yeah, top oh, tens. We're gonna be talking about movies for fucking days. Yeah, so maybe maybe as if we if we skip next week, maybe what we'll do is either come out with like a bonus episode or we'll do like a, a um like an extra long episode or something just to make up for it oh we're gonna get long yeah cool uh, i think that that's gonna do it for this week thank you so much for tuning in you can send us your questions and topics to podcast at filmpulse.net you can follow us on twitter at filmpulse.net and at filmpulsekevin and if you have a minute take a look at our patreon page patreon.com slash filmpulse and consider helping us out by becoming a subscriber for kevin rakestraw my name's adam patterson we'll see you next week Bye.